Hi, everyone. Um, the first song I'm going to sing is called Be Still. And the second one is called Eternal. I think I'm just going to sing them in a row. So. <clears throat> Still, my child, be still. Be at peace, my child, be at peace. In this moment, in this now, I'll show you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you, Baba. What a beautiful way to lead us in to this beautiful session. Welcome, everyone. Big hug for everyone. So wonderful to see you again. See all your smiling faces. Happy, happy faces. We We have such happy faces. It looks like we're ready to really get into the groove of the art of listening and yeah and really the the subtitle for this uh weekend is the humble journey home so it's like uh wow that's those songs really help us sink into that state of receptivity and humbleness Wow, there can be no greater experience than to be just at the bottom in the core of humbleness. You know, that's what Zen Buddhism is about. I do not know what anything is for. Uh, it's what the Course is about. It's what the perennial wisdom has been saying. It's like, be humble. Be humble. And as Jeff was saying earlier, that's how we can truly listen to our intuition, to the spirit, is when we're humble. We can't, we can't hear anything helpful or valuable when we're in a kind of an arrogant position in our mind. And so, you know, today we all open to experience the art of listening and be as little children, we'll be as a little child today to humbly come before the Spirit and say, show me, show me, guide me, direct me, please show me the way. So in this journey, I thought um, our, for the session today, there's been so many beautiful things that have been written in, but I, I thought I would use two of the, the things that were written in as our prayer for all of us to be guided into a prayer by two of, of you, by two of the participants. And um, actually, I'm, I picked right away what Linda Hall from Florida had written in, um, basically called On the Verge of Jumping Through the Final Veil. Hmm, that sounds really delicious. 
<laughs> that's that's a prayer for all of us jumping through the on the verge of jumping through the final veil so linda wrote this is our part of our opening prayer dear david and living miracles thanks for all you do i'm so grateful for the love you share exclamation every time i join my ego wants to run and hide thanks for that exclamation exclamation <laughs> that's willingness to say thanks for that thanks for the exposure of the ego yes i feel like i am on the verge of jumping through the final veil can we all go there together wow yes we can we are i'm willing to see past the illusions to be childlike to take my unhealed thoughts to the light and to be happy instead of right i've surrendered everything i have or know and i'm just trying to let life alone and just be so thank you linda that is actually the most beautiful prayer for all of us like an invocation and also uh stephanie from over there in europe and she wrote dear david dear kirsten dear jason what a wonderful theme for the online retreat i feel the invitation for this coming weekend to spend in listening i feel some kind of holiness arising feeling into that i feel peace and timelessness right now i don't know really what else to write to you except i want to let you know i am ready and i am willing open and humble my prayer is jesus hold my hand when i pray listen follow amen so that's beautiful that's thank you stephanie and thank you linda for for guiding us into this uh, session with your words from the heart i mean i could really really feel that that is really the prayer of the heart and i would like to talk about the art of listening and and really focus this morning on the humbleness because um the first step i think for all of us is we really open up to authentic spiritual awakening is um we realize that that the blame game or fault finding whether it's with people or with god uh or there's blaming uh spiritual way showers and teachers or blaming our neighbor or blaming the universe or whatever that that the idea of blame and the idea of fault is not really going to help us at all and so whenever we're putting like the cause of any separation or struggle or upset anywhere whether we project it onto god or we project it onto people or we project it onto the planet uh or the the cosmos it's still it just isn't going to go anywhere because that's how that's how you keep the error is by projecting it by blaming by seeing something not you or is outside of you 
or even seeing something as the body, your, even your own body, which is actually outside of you as well, <laughs> uh, because who you are is, is not a body. Uh, so the body is outside you, even though it seems to surround you, it's, it's actually outside of you as well. And the attempt to project is the attempt to get rid of guilt and fear and pain and anger without letting it go. So it's like a, it's a, it's crazy to try to get rid of something without letting it go is, is foolish. So the context for what I'm going to talk about is the humbleness of, um, of first coming into that experience of like lesson number two, I have given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. That means I have given everything I perceive through these five senses all the meaning it has for me. This isn't a God-given world. This is a projected world that's coming from the error of the ego, from the belief in wanting separation from source and from wanting a separate identity. And so there's another lesson that I want to quote that I really think encapsulates that, and it's, I have invented the world I see. I have invented the world I see. Invention. It's, it's an invention. It's fictitious. It's make-believe. It's made up. And I know there's a lot of spiritualities and a lot of New Age teachings and a lot of times I hear this word create. I created this world. I created my situation. I created my cancer. I created uh, my, my sense of lack and struggle. No, no, no. Don't, don't even bother using the creation word uh, with, with this world at all. Because... You, you didn't create it. It's invented for sure, but it's not created. Everything that's created comes from God or from Christ. So God creates in spirit. Christ creates in spirit, and Christ has creations that are purely spirit. But there is no creation at all. You don't really create a painting. You don't create a song. You don't create... Uh, absolutely anything. You can just forget about the creation word in terms of, of this world. A lot of us have grown up with all kinds of beliefs too, like reincarnation. And, you know, we're t sometimes we say, well, my soul is on a journey. No, actually, your soul is not on a journey. It's, it doesn't journey at all. In fact, uh, as, as uh, we, we just heard from Svava, eternal soul, never born. You know, the I am presence, the spirit, divine love, divine light, that's what your soul is. God created the soul, and your soul is perfect, eternal, innocent, and changeless, and it doesn't go on any journeys. It never has and never will. So you don't have to worry about your soul incarnating and repeating the mistakes of the past because it can't incarnate. The, literally, the word, capital W, cannot become flesh, uh, Jesus tells us in the Course. You can't take an eternal soul and, and shrink it down into flesh and time-space terms. Uh, you know, just like in this world, we'd, you know, we'd say it'd be strange to have a, a shark or a whale go come flying out of the, the ocean and just go, oh, there's a flying whale. 
over there. Oh, look at that. It's a flying shark. Wow, there's a flying bass. You know, it's just, it, it, it's not going to happen. And so you don't have to worry about your soul because your soul is perfect and it's eternal and it's changeless. And really what you're doing is you're, you're learning how to forgive everything that was made up. You're, you're forgiving the make-believe so that you can remember your soul, remember your I amness. Remember what Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Before time seemed to exist, I am. Before there was a Jesus or a Mary Magdala or a Mother Mary, before there was a Mother Teresa or a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King or anybody, a Hitler or a Mussolini, before there was time, there is I am. And so you see how deep this goes. We're, we're going to go into a forgiveness that literally takes you into an experience of awakening where you completely forgot what never was, you know. It's kind of a funny idea. If it never was, why do I have to forget it? Well, if you believe it's there, then you have to learn how to forget the world and to remember God. This morning, um, I was thinking about humbleness. I just was in prayer of just of humbleness. And, uh, you know, I, I always sink down and I get into this beautiful, quiet place. And, and oftentimes... Uh, the Holy Spirit is playing tunes in my mind. Uh, and so right before I walked over to the studio today, does anybody remember the the Beach Boys? Uh, I had a Beach Boys song going in my mind coming over to talk to you today. But it, it always has Holy Spirit lyrics. And so this morning it was... Uh, and we'll have fun, fun, fun till our daddy takes the world away. Fun, 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 fun. And then, and we'll have fun, fun, fun till our father takes the veil away. The veil, the veil of time and space, the veil of specifics, the veil of projections and perceptions. We'll have fun, fun, fun till our daddy takes the, the world away. And so this is what we're learning from the Course. We can actually have an enjoyment with awakening. It doesn't have to be like pulling teeth. It doesn't have to be like struggle and challenge. And I have to tell you, in my life, uh, the more devoted I got and the more I surrendered to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit guide my life, it got more fun and more fun, and now I'm hearing the Beach Boys uh, as I come over here in my prayers. You know, he, the Spirit is very, very playful and very, very lighthearted, and it wants us to learn to not take anything of this world seriously, to be able to laugh at anything from above high, on high, above the battleground in your mind. So... We have to go from our perception of what we seem to see as a fragmented world to a happy dream or a forgiven world or unified perception, which is what Jesus means when he, he, he reinterprets the Bible. He takes the most famous passage in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him 
shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. He takes the most famous passage in the Bible and he deletes, or he actually adds, he adds the tiniest little bit to the most famous passage of the Bible to make it correct. For God so loved the world that he gave it to his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should never perish and shall have eternal life. He gave it to. What does that mean? He gave the forgiven world. He gave the happy dream. He gave the real world. He gave a new way to look at this fragmented world to his only begotten son, who seemed to be sleeping. And that's the gift that we have. You know, in reality, God is just perfection, and so even that is like a metaphor. But that's a beautiful metaphor of having a correction in the mind, and that's what this is about. That's really what the art of listening is about. It's about going so deep inside your mind that you can experience the correction of that happy dream, that forgiven world. That's the happy dance I was talking about yesterday, the last session, you know, the happy dance. And the Lord of the dance, I would say, is, is Jesus in the sense that he, he was able to go inward and, and accept that correction. And in accepting the correction, he became the Lord of the dance. He no longer was bound inside of the dream. He no longer was bound to a body or time and space. He literally transcended time and space. And, and you know, wouldn't, isn't that great if you were going to have a, a scene on the cross? Uh, you know, he, he looked, it didn't look too good with all the, the vinegar they put on his mouth and the blood coming out of the, the arms and the legs. But actually, he's like the Lord of the, I am the Lord of the dance, you'll see. Da, 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 da. You know, he's, in his mind, he's the Lord of the dance because he's transcended death. He's transcended birth. He's, he's not a soul of the world that has born and dies. He's the eternal soul, the I amness that transcends time and space. And that's a big celebration. That's a hallelujah. He was just using a little skit there at the end to show with the crucifixion and the seeming resurrection afterwards, it was just showing, I am not bound by time, by, by death, by, by the body, by anything. So I was trying to think of a, of a metaphor, let's say, um, I was thinking of a spaceship metaphor, like let's say, let's say you know, you really, you really, as a soul, you can't really even come into time and space, but just for the sake of, um, of metaphor, let's say you have a really good spaceship, a really good one, like Star Trek, the Enterprise or something, Voyager, something, you've got a really good spaceship, and you're, you know, you're in the captain's chair, and you can go discover new planets and new species and new worlds, and, you know, you find the Borg and the Klingons and, and the Romulans, and you find all the Earthlings and all these different humans and different aliens and throughout. But basically, you're the captain, so you sit in the captain's chair. And basically, whenever you encounter something, you just say, computer, on screen, and then you get to perceive something. Uh, you get to perceive a planet and surroundings and so on and so forth. Well, imagine that 
you know, you just keep doing this and doing this, trying to discover more about the cosmos, but the cosmos is just a veil drawn over your mind to blind you from the truth, to blind you from the light. So as long as you go searching in time and space for your identity, you'll never find it because it's not in time and space. God knows not form. Truth never comes into illusions. You can never discover anything real or important in time and space because all of it's part of the veil that was made to blind you from the truth of who you really are. So what I'm saying is, in this situation, I'm saying is the first thing you really need to do is step down, step out of the captain's chair, uh, get, get next to the captain's chair, and please be a passenger. <laughs> You've got to get out of the captain's chair. Because I will tell you, no matter what I tell you about the art of listening, unless you get out of the captain's chair, Unless you get out of, I have given everything, I see all the meaning it has for me, and I have invented the world to see, you're, you're not going to awaken if you stay in the captain's chair. If you think you're the ruler of your mind, all I do ask you is, honestly, has that ever worked? Have you ever found eternal happiness by deciding and picking and choosing among the things of time and space? I mean, I had to come to an honesty and just say, actually, Jesus... No, I actually have never found eternal life and happiness from trying to choose my way out of this illusion. I'm going to need some, some guidance. I'm going to need some instruction. But as long as I've been in the captain's chair, as long as I'm in the driver's seat, as long as I'm the one making the commands and, and making all these instructions and decisions, do this, report to the brig, report to, you know, the 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 warp core and, and the engine room, as long as I'm telling people what to do and I'm guiding and directing my own experiences of everything around me, there's not a chance of finding humbleness in the captain's chair. You know, you are basically in a very arrogant position when you think you are the captain of your own destiny. Why? Because God created you whole and perfect. And anything that you try to do to improve on that wholeness and perfection by using time and space is a distraction away from that wholeness and perfection. And so you, as Jesus says in the Course, resign now as your own teacher. What he's basically saying is get out of the captain's chair. You are not going to make it home and remember your loving creator as long as you're in the captain's chair. If we were using the metaphor of a car, let's say, because that car is a little more of an Earth symbol than these uh, spaceships, but if you, to use the analogy of a car, of a car get, get out of the driver's seat and go over and get into the passenger seat, and you have to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit do the driving. There is no way you're going to escape from time and space being the driver of that car. You need to just stop the car, open the door, walk around, and get into the passenger side, and get ready for a ride. I'm, I'm talking about a beautiful, glorious ride that you're going you're gonna to be smiling. You're going to be smiling and laughing in the passenger seat, but not in the driver's seat. I have a friend in, uh, in Australia, and uh, he wrote this beautiful song, 
Holy Spirit, you drive our ride. You drive our ride. You know, it's, so, it's such a beautiful song. You know, Holy Spirit, take the wheel. Or some of you, if you want, some of you are country music fans. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, remember that song, country? Jesus, take the wheel, you know? And I think in that song, she's on, on her way to Cincinnati. Well, that's where I, I seem to end up, too, in Cincinnati. Unfortunately, that's uh, where I chose to uh, try to establish an identity at Good Samaritan Hospital in 1958 on February 4th uh, with, as a little baby being born to Evelyn and Jack in Cincinnati, Ohio. But I, I should have, on my way to Cincinnati, I wish... I could have just heard that country song, Jesus, take the wheel, <laughs> please, please take over this thing. I'm about to play out in an identity as David Hoffmeister on planet Earth. And it's like, oh, it's not going to go well, just like it doesn't go well for all the billions and trillions that, that don't let Jesus take the wheel. So first step is you're not going to deny what you seem to make as your identity. You're not going to deny your name. You're not going to deny your body. You're not going to deny where you seem to be born on earth. You don't really have to deny anything. You don't have to deny your parents. You don't have to deny your siblings, your culture. You don't have to deny anything. What Jesus is basically saying, we'll just wrap up that first phase in one idea from the Course Workbook. I have invented the world I see. Okay, it's an invention. Your personality self's an invention. The world is an invention. All of the cosmos is an invention. Everything, whether you find yourself in Iowa or in, in England or in California or in Mexico, wherever that body seemed to be born, wherever it seems to go, whatever it seems to do, we can just wrap that whole thing up. Let's just wrap all of time and space up with I have invented the world I see, okay? Not gonna blame anything, anyone. It's actually very humble to say, I have invented the world I see, because you're not gonna get into the blame game. If you invented the world, then now we're, now we're talking. Now we're ready to, to uh, do some advancing, some art of listening, some inner growing. If I'm going to be humble enough to start off with, I have invented the world I see. That's much better than blaming your parents or blaming your culture or blaming what time you were born in, in the world or, or blaming what you were lacking uh, seemingly as a, as a human being or blaming what, what was not given to you, what your parents didn't give to you, what society didn't give to you, what your government didn't give to you. Please, let's just stop all that right now, and let's just come into a humble place of, I have invented the world I see. Now, why is this important? Is because, first of all, you're not going to escape from this invented world by projecting it as if it's outside of you. Uh, some of you are into quantum physics, and you know what I love about quantum physics is, this is like it's going six, seven decades old, Basically, it's different from Newtonian physics and Newtonian science, but basically quantum physics just teaches that there is no world apart from your consciousness. There is no world apart from what you think. Quantum physics is teaching the same thing as A Course in Miracles, that the world is not outside of you. The world is in your thoughts. 
and it has not left its source. That's why in those double blind experiments, you know, the, the double slit experience, experiments that they've done with, with particles and waves, it, it's where the observer is that determines everything about what comes in the experiment. And that's because the observer is in your mind. You are the observer. The consciousness is the observer. So you can give up on science, on Newtonian and typical science right now. You're not going to find any answers whatsoever in traditional science. But I would say if you're interested in quantum, very, quantum is very good. It will help you with this, I have invented the world I see idea from the workbook of A Course in Miracles, because that's exactly what quantum physics is teaching, that it's an invention and it has not left consciousness. You cannot study anything apart from consciousness because consciousness is where is the mind and the, and the ideas leave not their source. So all the thoughts, my thoughts are images I have made. Uh, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Those are statements of quantum physics. Jesus has just put them in. And you'll never get the answer on Apple Watch either. My watch is telling me I can't get the answer to that, but that's true. You, you won't find this on Google, uh, and you won't find it on Apple. You have to first admit that I have invented the world I see. There is no world apart from my mind. That's going to be a key idea in the awakening because all of your listening to the Holy Spirit and all of your listening to Jesus is aimed in that direction to see that the outer world is not really outside of you, that, that everything you perceive, without exception, is part of your mind. And, and you won't be able to go escape the world and go back to heaven until you have that realization, because otherwise you're going to keep blaming the world. You're going to blame the body. You're going to blame the government. Blame your parents. Blame society. Blame all the disadvantaged things that other people had that you didn't. You know, it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a get out the violin. A sad, sad, sad story. If you are are a victim of an external world, you are just going to be playing the violin. And sorry seems to be the hardest word. You know, it's, you're going to be in that Elton John song. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's it's not going to be happy. It's not going to be happy at all if you don't give yourself over to that. Now, why is it important that you get out of the driver's seat? Because Holy Spirit, Jesus, your higher power, is the one that's going to use the symbols that were made up to take you to loosen your mind from those symbols and those identifications. How did that work in the parable of David? Well, David was born Cincinnati, Ohio, 1958, grew up a pretty a shy child, kind of depressed, closed off from his feelings, not a lot of friends, pretty much a loner uh, through a lot of high school and, and through quite a few years there, even in the, in the 20s, in the, in the University of Cincinnati, and so on and so forth. And then, miraculously, at some point, uh, the Course of Miracles comes into uh, David's life in 1986, and uh, wow, 
that was a big event because that was a, a beginning of starting to look at everything and to start to, to listen. Even though I've been raised as a Christian, it's like A Course in Miracles was like practical Christianity. Like here, here's your workbook. Here, here's how to dive in and live like Jesus. Here's how to forgive. Here's how to turn your life over. You need a little bit of metaphysical background? Here you go. Uh, you need some pep talks from time to time? Here you go. Uh, you need some inspiration, uh, some clarity? Here you go. That was an important uh, thing for David in, in 2000, it was 1986 because that was the beginning of a turnaround of, of actually uh, getting out of the driver's seat. There came a point where I just had this huge born again, you can call it, if you want to use Christian terms, born again experience where I gave everything over to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and I said, I'm not in charge anymore. I just give it all to you and you use it for your purposes. Effectively, I got out of the driver's seat big time. I gave over my future. I gave over my ambitions, all my future goals. I basically, I happily hopped out of the driver's seat and I hopped into the passenger seat. And wow, when you do that, Jesus doesn't waste any time. He, he had me studying the course for like eight hours a day. Uh, he had me going to some course groups uh, in Cincinnati. And then he took me on a five-year uh, road trip. I was definitely in the passenger seat day-to-day, uh, -to -day, not knowing where I was going to sleep or who I was going to meet or how I was going to find food or with no organizational support, no earthly support that I could see. Jesus said, I'll show you how to take a trip. It's like, I'll take you on a road trip you'll never forget. You know? It's like a Bachman-Turner Overdrive song. Ba -ba -ba Baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. Bump, bump. Here's something that you're never going to forget. Bump, bump. You know, it's like, wow. Put Jesus in the driver's seat, and, and all you're doing is you're saying, okay, I, I believe in time and space. I still believe in the body. I still believe in people. I still believe I have needs. I still believe I... I need help, <laughs> lots of help. I still believe I need lots of help. You seem to be a very good uh, driver. <laughs> you seem to know how to navigate this time and space thing really well, uh, where this David character doesn't really have very much of a clue. Or whatever he thinks he knows, he doesn't really know. He's, he's not in a good position to be in the driver's seat. So basically, that's what I mean by by letting the Spirit go before you. That's what, when Kirsten was talking yesterday about your special function, that's what your special function is. It's the one that Jesus gives you moment by moment. That's your special function. It doesn't, he doesn't really care how it looks. He doesn't care if you seem to be male, female, young, old, fat, skinny. He doesn't care what nationality you are. He doesn't really care what your cultural background is. He doesn't care what societal beliefs you have. He can use it all. He can use the entire ego invention for unwinding of the mind, loosening from time and space, loosening from those uh, identified 
identifications with those images, and he will loosen your mind and loosen your mind, and what, however it seems to look is the special function. It, it's not like Jesus is saying, oh, you're going to be, I'm going to, I prophesy you will be this and this and this. He, he already knows that because he can see all of time and space having transcended it all. So he's got a, he's got a really good bird's eye view, uh, spirit's eye view of the whole thing. So he could prophesy and tell you, uh, this is what's going to happen. This is where you're going to go. He, he will do that with, in some cases because it helps convince you that, that uh, he actually knows what's going on when he tells you things and they come true. He tells you you're going to meet somebody, and the next morning you meet them. Okay, how'd you do that? That's pretty spooky, but, and then he does it again, and he does it again, and he does it again, and pretty soon you're like, okay, obviously you've got a pretty good overall view here of, of the plan. You've completed your part perfectly, so you've got a really good view of the whole thing. And actually, that's why you're directing time and space. That's why you're in charge of the atonement. And that's why you are the one that I need to rely on for everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Money, clothing, relationships, where to sleep, where to go, who to, who to see, what to say, what to do. You, 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 you. The more you truly have Jesus in the driver's seat, you know, you're going to find out this inner listening thing, art of inner listening is going to go very fast. You know, you're going to become the artist very quickly when the Lord of the dance is guiding you. Without the Lord of the dance, it's going to be dicey and, and filled with uh, doubt and struggles because you're still trying to jump over there and jump in the driver's seat. And if you're in the driver's seat, I'll tell you, your mind is in a very arrogant position to think that you can actually be in the driver's seat. That's not the destiny that you were called to. You're, you're called to wake up to your divine light. That's your destiny. Don't forget all this destiny and form stuff. You are destined to accept your special function given to you moment by moment by Jesus and then to become so disidentified from being the doer that you just light up. You just light up and you realize you're the living Christ and always have been and always will be. You realize there's only one of us, not seven billion. There's always only been one of us. There's, there's not multiple yous. There's just one of us. And the name is Christ. And that name was, was a name given by God. Uh, and so you can, it doesn't matter what theology you use or what religion you want to follow. It's just, we'll call it holy child of God from a holy creator, if you want to talk about that. No genders involved, just holy creator and holy child of God. So what I would say is so important in the art of listening is that you're going to, you, you started off with an ego identity. We'll call it an ego time-space identity. And now the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going to take that identity that the ego made and they're going to purify that by using that whole construct, self-concept, for the purpose of communication, for the purpose of teach only love, for that is what you are, to show you you are a demonstration of love and light. No matter what the form is, what the form was, we'll say, the Spirit will light that form up by 
making that form a witness, making that form a witness for divine love and light. That's all Jesus was, was a witness. He seemed to be a man. He seemed to live a couple thousand years ago. But that whole thing and all those miracles that he performed and all those spectacular things and the reason why Jesus' name is so lifted up you know, in, throughout history is because he allowed the concept of time and space to be used as a witness for that which is way beyond time and space, for the light of truth. So truth had a witness, and you are called to accept your part in the plan of awakening. You are called to allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, to use the symbols to unwind your mind and to wake up. And many of the questions that you've written in are on this very topic. You're getting at the core of what this inner listening is all really for. Let me just pick one. Um, let me just pick one here. I think... I, I, I know that uh, my friend Aman Kumar is on from India, and Aman has let, written a nice long question. It actually takes up a whole page. <laughs> Aman articulated a beautiful question, and this isn't the first time that Aman and I have talked about this. I was over in India, and Aman was helping me and hosting me over in India, and we talked about this uh, topic at length. Aman comes from a, a very business-oriented family in India uh, where the, the children are expected to be, be entrepreneurs and, you know, to, to make money and so forth. But Aman has a calling. There's Aman. Hi, Aman. <laughs> nice to see you again. Aman has a calling for God, uh, even though he's, he's, he invented a world in which it was an Indian family that was quite entrepreneurial and uh, quite successful and so on and so forth. And expectations around the children being also successful and so on and so forth. Also, Aman and I talked. Aman is not really wanting to be dependent on his family for handouts. So it's not like he can just infinitely go to his dad and say, okay, I'm on to my next adventure to go to my next ashram, to meet my next guru. Come to think of it, I'd like to travel the world and uh, go on some retreats over there in the United States, Mexico, and who knows where. Uh, he doesn't want to just take handouts. So basically, Aman, your question is, is, about, uh, is about starting an online business where basically um, you've already sold one business and uh, you gave up all your ideas for doing business as you said, I found it to be extremely distracting and tiring. And now, since then, I have been doing, have not been doing anything sometimes. And so, really, your question is, like, is it possible to be guided to have a business venture? I know we talked about this last, last uh, retreat with Tina. Remember the Vedic painting uh, venture that Tina was having over there in Europe? You know, it's the same kind of thing, like, how can I, can I actually give this over? Would Jesus ever guide me to do a business? 
Um, or would Jesus ever guide me to some kind of an adventure where there may be money uh, coming my way, but it might be an online business, it might be well handled and set up, and so I may not have many responsibilities with the business, but I would have kind of a, an income flowing in from the business that could allow me to meet people, travel, you know, go out and uh, test, be guided by the Spirit. And uh, money is not evil. In other words, uh, money is just a neutral symbol to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but it's just a symbol among symbols that can be used in the undoing of the self-concept. So it's not like wealth uh, has anything to do with how much money you have. It's more like it's wealth is is truly inner peace, just like health is inner peace. And if you give it over to the Holy Spirit and Jesus to use to unwind your mind from the concepts of this world, then you'll just get happier and happier and happier. And people will say, wow, why are you so happy? What's going on? Uh, what, what did you do to get so happy? And again, this relates to what I was saying, Amon, to being able to be in the passenger's seat. It doesn't, if you feel like you're, you're kind of not sure now, like you're not doing anything, but you feel a little more like you're stagnating or you're in some kind of a, of a loop, you know, that's not progressing, it still means that, that you, maybe you got out of the driver's seat, but you haven't gone completely around to the other side of the car and got in the passenger seat and closed the door. You've got to get in there. Amon, you've got to get in there into that passenger seat, get nestled in there, put your seatbelt on, give Jesus a big hug, and Krishna, and Yogananda, and Ramana, give them all, they're all in the car, but just give them all good hugs, and, and then really get in that passenger seat and say, I'm willing for you to use my skills, my abilities, anything that I have to make it so that I can teach what I would learn and come into my special function. Because you don't like the feeling of inertia, you don't like the feeling of stagnation, you don't like the feeling of disorientation or confusion. You know, you want a, you want a sense of certainty, uh, of absolute certainty. That's what you're entitled to, is absolute uncertainty, certainty, but you have to, you have to go into your given function. And, and so, in short, you know, you're asking me to pray for myself and other messengers to please pray with me to seek guidance from Jesus regarding this. And really what, what I'm feeling, Amon, is that, that you, what you come from, your family background, your skills, your abilities, your sense of, of India, your sense of the internet, your sense of business and everything, all of that can be used to unwind you completely. So you don't have to do a push away. You don't have to do a push away with business. You have to just say, Jesus, you're going to have to guide me, and this is going to have to be a guided adventure, moment by moment, where I pray and you tell me what to do. And that's the way my life has gone. You know, I I actually was off like you. I, I had a... a little uh, trailer in the woods of Kentucky and I was there 
and it was a beautiful hermitage and everything. I had a hermitage in uh, in Michigan, the woods of uh, Michigan. I had a hermitage in the in Kansas, and I had one in uh, North Dakota. I've had different hermitages around, but actually, that's the small part of the life of David. Most of it was traveling, teaching, meeting people, being spoken through. You know, for a shy guy, that you know, that's a way to undo that uh, fearful, guilty concept of being shy and embarrassed is to be spoken through by the Spirit. That that was my way of loosening from the self-concept of the David that that uh, was confused and you know shy and so forth. So I want to move on to. I just want to say that that's that's what I'm really hearing for you is that that I think you are very capable of getting into that passenger seat and very, very capable of being guided and very capable of, of feeling that expansion where your devotion is still there, even though it still involves the symbols of, of business, the symbols of money, uh, the symbols of the internet. I feel like you are very ready actually very, very ready to be used in a very inspired way. And it will light your heart up. You will feel so much joy. You'll be like, this is amazing. This is so different than Ramana in his cave, but this is really joyful. <laughs> you know, there's an Indian tradition has a lot of, you know, going off and, and so forth. So I just want to thank you. And I do want to jump to another question too, because this is almost like a parallel so what you were doing, uh, Aman, is the, the very first question I received here was, was from, um, was the second question, Knighton Riley, New York. And, and this one's a little shorter, so I'm going to read, read a little bit of this out so everybody can uh, hear this. Because this, is, this is, is fascinating too. It's almost like this is the flip side of, of Oman's question, uh, Knight and Riley. Knight and writes, hi, retreat team. This is a question for the Art of Listening retreat that is coming up. I am being called into a period of aloneness in the woods, relinquishing almost all belongings to, I am being called into a period of aloneness in the woods, relinquishing almost all belongings to focus on meditation and study and whatever else I feel guided to. Relinqu relinquishing everything was initially scary, but it has turned out to be unbelievably therapeutic. I can, I can relate to that. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. I did this. I did the same thing that you're doing. <laughs> it was the most delightful and, and uh, spectacular thing. Yet there is still a fear that begs my question. So here's Knighton's question. In chapter 4, section 6, paragraph 8, Jesus says, As you come closer to a brother, you approach me. And as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Salvation is a collaborative venture. It cannot be undertaken successfully by those who disengage themselves from the sonship because they are disengaging themselves from me. God will come to you only as you will give him to your brothers. 
Learn first of them and you will be ready to hear God. That is because the function of love is one. So, Knighton's question is, by withdrawing into the woods where I feel called to live by myself with minimal belongings, am I actually making a mistake and cutting myself off from healing and guidance? The step I'm taking feels like a necessary part of my path and like I would just be ignoring God if I didn't do it. But it also seems to contradict what Jesus says here. Will I not be guided or healed without interacting with others for a while? Thank you, Knighton Riley. So Knighton, this is a, your question is a real great diving question into form and content. Because uh, as I shared on one of my YouTube uh, videos, people are thoughts. And uh, our mind goes with us wherever we seem to go. So when I went to my first hermitage down in uh, near Corinth, Kentucky, Lake Arrowhead, down in Kentucky, with just a small little, maybe like a 12, 15-foot travel trailer and out in the woods and relinquishing all my belongings and catching rainwater to take showers with and drink and... Um, and out there and meditating with my Course in Miracles book uh, out in the woods uh, by myself. Uh, actually, that was very helpful for me coming on the, t the tail of 10 years of full-time university. <laughs> I was ready to, uh, Jesus was ready to decompress me from uh, so much interaction with bodies and uh, start to take a little closer look at my, my thoughts. What are my thoughts? And so when I was down there in the woods, was I still thinking about my girlfriend back up in Cincinnati? Yes. Was I thinking about my, some of my professors and how I left suddenly my 10 years of university and walked out of graduate school and walked away from a scholarship and walked away from uh, working on a, a doctorate program and all this and that because I found A Course in Miracles which was telling me, you know, you need to come inside and you need to have some awakening, miraculous experiences. Uh, we need to go in the other direction from all this learning and over-learning uh, of the things of this world. You need to come inside for some guidance. And so I did. So it's a form content thing. Jesus is just saying, when you, you, you to approach me, Jesus is saying, you need to come towards your brother and that really means come towards also facing the thoughts about your brother. Because my thoughts are images I've made. So if, if my brother, I've made an image of my brother, I must be holding thoughts, time and space thoughts, time thoughts of the past and the future about my brother and my sister that I have to release in order to really know who my brother is and know who I am as the living Christ. So actually, uh, whereas Amon needs to probably get up off the the floor and go and go do his internet business now, uh, because it's going to help him extend in so many ways. Uh, for you, it's actually beautiful that you're writing this question because it it does feel like the perfect thing, and that by going to the woods, you are not actually withdrawing from anything. Uh, you are are going to come closer to your mind, closer to your thoughts, 
closer to what your beliefs are and closer to your brothers and sisters actually, you know, from this guided uh, movement that you're doing. So, so it's in form, it would seem like you're going away from your brothers and sisters and society. But uh, even with Ramana Maharshi, who, who lived in caves and, and in temples and everything like that, you know, he actually was going towards his brothers and sisters in a, in a most direct way. It was a very unique uh, kind of special function Ramana had. But for most uh, who work with the Course, there will be, uh, you will be led on many busy doings from this quiet place that you find in your mind. And I have to say, my first hermitage was the most glorious uh, experience for me. I, I was down there with bugs and snakes and out in nature and and uh, catching my rainwater and all this. And and it definitely, uh, it, it was definitely like a jump start on my, uh, my work with the course. And eventually I did meet uh, some, a friend from uh, Lexington, Kentucky, who was in the symphony, uh, Mason and his mother and others. And I had people, I was there having so much uh, joy in the woods that I started drawing brothers into the woods with me after a while. I was just there on my own for a while. But I had Course in Miracles group coming into the woods to find me because they were so excited by what was coming out of me and coming through me. And they said, whoa, this is not like our typical Unity Course in Miracles uh, group. This is amazing. And then after that, I did do a lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of speaking, and more hermitages. I actually have had uh, a whole, I'm bespeckled with hermitages experiences in my, uh, my path and my journey. So I thank you so much, Knighton. You, you and Aman have given uh, great insight into what I'm talking about here, about getting into the passenger seat and letting your heart, letting Jesus really guide the way. Even though the forms may, may look very different, the content is the same. And, and I thank you so much for your question. So what, what else can I say about um, the art of listening except that as you continue to go on in this very humble journey, you will be called upon to step into your special function. And let me just use a couple terms that Jesus uses in the Course in Miracles. And some of you may like these terms and some of you may just go, oh please, don't even don't even go there. But a couple terms that Jesus uses from A Course in Miracles is miracle worker is one of them. You know, he's saying, I need you to be a miracle worker. Uh, it took me a while to really start to embrace this idea. You know, I'm in the passenger seat and Jesus is saying, you know, you're going to be a miracle worker for me. And I'm like, am I in the right car? <laughs> I mean, is this like, are you... Are you picking me for something? I mean, what are you talking about? A miracle worker? You know, am I supposed to like heal the sick and and raise the dead? And 
he said, yeah, well, yeah, that'll happen, but far more. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm really up to this miracle worker thing, but that's just a concept that he uses. You know, we may think of ourselves as, as a, a, a mother or a father, or we may think of ourselves as a, a factory worker, or uh, there's so many different occupations and identities in this world, and for most of us, when we grew up, you know, we were not sitting there at the dinner table or, or eating our breakfast, eating our, our cereal, and having our parents talk to us about, you know, when you grow up, you're going to be a, a magnificent miracle worker. You know, I don't know about you, but that is just not a breakfast talk uh, from, the, from my family. I was not, nobody was telling me I was going to be a miracle worker. And another term that Jesus uses in A Course in Miracles is, is the teacher of God. You know, I actually was in teacher's college at the University of Cincinnati, and I was being trained to be a teacher. And I had graduate assistants when I was, I was a graduate assistant when I was in, uh, um, in grad school. And yet... None of those kind of teacher concepts, I think, is what Jesus was talking about. He says, you teach by demonstration. And he was actually telling me, he used this teacher of God, but he's not like saying a teacher like in the world. It's more like your attitude is the teacher. Your attitude, the attitude that you are demonstrating is teaching yourself and the whole universe, not just people. And the whole cosmos you're teaching by your attitude. And if you become a consistently happy, joyful, loving being, you are teaching love to the whole universe and to yourself. And you are freeing your mind from the gravity of the ego, from the, from the death wish. That's how you escape the death wish and find true freedom is by being a miracle worker, teacher of God. Those are just symbols. And it can look many different ways. I mean, uh, it, it can involve words. Uh, and oftentimes it does involve words. But actually, Jesus has a part in the, in the Course where Jesus says, a teacher of God can heal the world without a sound. Whoa. That's amazing. Heal the world without a sound. Well, so much for words. You know, they're kind of like stepping stone. They're these crude symbols that can be used. They were invented by the ego, but they can be used, like with the Course, in a very focused, helpful, inspiring, uplifting way. But they are, they are not like essential into the... Uh, entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Prayer is essential because prayer is your desire and you want to have a single desire, let thine eye be single. Prayer is essential to enter the kingdom, but not words. Uh, words words are, are kind of crude little, tiny little symbols that you can kind of let them be channeled and directed by, by guidance and by the Spirit until you go higher and higher into the wordless states of mind that, that transcend uh, time and space. So what I'm saying is, whatever the ego invented, 
whatever you saw in that spaceship from the captain's from the captain's chair when it came on screen whatever you if you had a remote whatever channel you picked that you call your life on earth uh, whatever channel that is you can fill it in with your name and and birth date if you want um, as long as you are the one changing those channels and as long as you were the one uh, surfing time and space I'll say instead of surfing the internet or surfing the cable TV channels as long as you were the one holding the remote you are still in the driver's seat you need to hand that remote over to the Holy Spirit and Jesus you need to give up the remote how many of you like to, like to have that TV in your house and you like to have that remote in your hand? You know, how does it feel when someone, comes out, someone else comes into your living room, to your den or your TV room, and they take the remote? How does that feel uh, when somebody else gets a hold of that remote? But what I'm saying is this isn't just any somebody else. This is the Lord of the dance, some, someone, and he's really who you really are. He's not... <laughs> He's not really apart from you. He's the Lord of the dance because he is you. <laughs> he, he knows you better than, than you know you. He knows you better than I know you. He's, that's why the Lord of the dance is the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus knows you actually is who you, your spiritual reality is, the Christ, the Christ, the holy child of God. So that's why when I say get into the passenger seat, let Jesus drive. It's really the same thing as saying, whatever you've got, wherever you've got that remote, or maybe some of you have many remotes, give the whole thing. If you've got 10 remotes, that's okay. Just give them all over to the Lord of the dance. Do not keep the remotes. Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that channel. Do not touch the volume. Do not touch anything about that remote. Give the remote away. Give them all away to the Lord of the dance. And then you're going to be on the adventure of a lifetime to an experience of the dance. You will, you're, going to be, you're going to behold the dance if you, if you give up that remote control. How does this work? Well, like with Fava singing her songs for you, Sava wasn't trained as a musician. She just, it was only maybe a year and a half, a year and three quarters ago where she picked up a guitar for the first time in her life. She has no formal training in guitar. She has no formal like voice training, even though she was, as a, as a child, she, she enjoyed singing in the choir up in Iceland. She actually sang, sang for the Pope one time when the Pope uh, visited she, she actually sang for the Pope, but, but she has had really very little of, of a self-concept. Uh, she liked music like I do, like a lot of us do. She loved listening to the radio. She loved watching music videos. She was saturated with music, but it isn't something that she did professionally or, or anything um, in that manner. And then now, as you might say, as the remote has been given over, to Jesus, then that songs are downloading. Um, she's able to sing. She's able to 
thing on, on these v televisions in front of people and gatherings and so on and so forth. And, and it's really like, it's more like the body as Svava was, is being used like as a conduit, uh, as the spirit is using what the ego made to send a blessing, to loosen the mind from its, its identification with the things of time and space. That's just a little example of how it goes when you have, we'll say, uh, skills and abilities, some of them maybe you're aware of, maybe you have skills and abilities that you aren't even aware of. Like, Svava wasn't available, wasn't really aware that she could just start downloading songs and, and melodies and lyrics and harmonies and all these things, you know, those were all like the gifts, the fruits of the Spirit, but they were like, they were like latent skills and abilities. She wasn't even aware that they were there. When you give yourself over, when you are the passenger, when you give yourself over to, to Christ, to be under Christ's control, to Jesus lead the way, take the wheel, then there's going to be lots of things in your life that will come very much as a surprise, and it will be very unexpected, but it's part of your special function. Maybe it involves speaking, maybe it involves singing, maybe it involves writing, maybe not so much of any of those. Look, look at the beautiful Indian saint Amma from India, you know, the hugging saint who, who sits there and hugs people for hours and hours on into the night and into the next morning. Uh, she's radiating this presence and she's just hugging people, you know. She's, she's not so much like a talking saint or... Uh, She's not so much a singing saint. She's actually a hugging saint. You see, that's what I mean by surrender to your special function. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will, will do it through you. And I know this is a little scary, you know, to go from an earthly identity into a I-don't-know-what's-coming-next uh, identity uh, in, in terms of time and space. But actually... It's very beautiful because you let go of the control. You, you actually learn how to be done through, just like athletes can get so in the zone that that, that time and space, that, that things slow down when they're so in the zone and, and everything is so beautiful and pristine. They start to feel this unified perception right in the middle of a, of a, football game or a baseball game, athletes feel it, golf, tennis, you know, to get into this zone. Uh, you probably have had those experiences too, where everything just feels so wonderful, so happy and glorious and very ethereal. But this is just really being under Christ's control, being in so much alignment that the doer is gone. You're like beholding the whole scene. The whole scene, you can see it, and it's so, it's a dance. That's where this is heading. Uh, and there's a, a great line in the Course in Miracles where Jesus says, it cannot be difficult to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, for it is he who does it. I mean, it can't get any easier than that. If you give it over and you're not even the doer. 
then honestly that means you don't have to do anything for the grace of God. You don't have to do anything to behold the dance, to behold... It may seem to the ego like there's lots of doings, but actually when you surrender and, and it, you are done through so beautifully, you lose awareness of the personality self. You lose awareness of the body. You are so up in that ethereal realm. You're, you are lifted up in the miracle, in, in a celestial connection that's far beyond uh, the personal perspective. That's, it's, that's how you awaken. You, you give yourself over to these miraculous experiences where you are so connected with Jesus, you just say, here I am, Lord, I'm so willing. You direct the way. You tell me where you want the miracles. You tell me when. You, you show me the way. And more than that, you do it. I, I don't even want to try to pre-plan the words that I will speak because I want you to give me the words right in the moment. You give me whatever would be most helpful. A smile, a hug, a pat on the back. I don't even presume that there's words to speak. Be you in charge. You know exactly what will be the greatest blessing for the whole universe. And, and I would but follow that so that I may merge in that experience and, and come to know you as myself is really what, what the prayer of the heart is. That's how you merge in, with Jesus as you come to know yourself as the living Christ by allowing God and Spirit to flow through and to use everything of, of this world, of time and space. So this is a glorious calling. And when we talk about this art of listening, as I mentioned uh, the first session, the biggest obstacle to diving into the art of listening is the fear of listening. It's the fear of listening to the Spirit that blocks you from hearing the Spirit. It's the fear that something will be taken away from you that you really like and you enjoy. That's, that's why people aren't so quick to, to say, okay, I'm ready to do whatever you want and I'll just be a wandering mystic for you and a deliriously happy, joyful mystic. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll even seem to be a fool. I'll be a fool for you, God. I will... I will follow you so devotedly that I will, I will let go of all thoughts of how this is supposed to go and how this is supposed to look. There was a question that was written in here that was um, very much about, about the fear, uh, the fear of, of awakening. Let's see if I can find it. Solvig from Denmark. Uh, wrote, the prayer of my heart, there is a longing to be able to listen, and I keep falling into asking how. Somewhere in my heart, I know that is not the correct question to ask, and I often feel stuck right there. It is like the fear of letting go of the how is preventing me from listening. It seems like I know that, but I keep seeing myself holding on anyway, and that 
confuses me. I am really looking forward to this weekend. So, Solveig, I hear your prayer there is like you, like all of us, come here and we we learn linear time and and we learn methods and techniques and we all, as we come to the world as a human being, you know, we believe that the means comes before the end. The means are first, the end is second, and the means is where our how questions come in. We say, okay, I want to awaken, I need the means, and the means must come before the end, and so how do I do this? You know, it's like the most practical question. Tell me how. And as I've said many times over the years, the Holy Spirit is the how. That is so strange. You know, imagine like trying to do a math equation and, and you're sitting there and can't do it on the test. And then you pray and, and you hear the Holy Spirit is the how. The Holy Spirit will, will solve this for you. And it's like, what? Holy Spirit is not going to solve my math equation. If I need to build a house, the Holy Spirit is not going to build the bricks and, you know, and put the concrete in place and, and the lumber and the wood and the nails. We're so accustomed to thinking the means come first and that we have to figure out the means personally to go for the end. And then Jesus comes along in the course and he says, you cannot wake yourself. Oh my gosh. You cannot wake yourself, but you can allow yourself to be awakened. There's that surrender again. There's that get out of the driver's seat and get into the passenger seat. There's that don't try to figure it out as the captain of the ship. Slide right over there into that other chair and let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, who actually are pretty good at the captaining, they actually have transcended, they are beyond time and space. So if you're going to follow a guide, you would want to follow someone who's transcended time and space. Why would you even look to someone who's lost in space <laughs> to lead you out of space, you know? That's what Gandhi called the blind leading the blind, and everyone falls in the pit. <laughs> he has a good way of, of saying that. Don't follow those who are wandering in the dark in the dust and don't know their way. So the how is, is frightening to you because, because it's, it's not so much the means being shown you in the moment, in the miracle of here. It's not so much, here's what I want you to do, or here's what I want you to say. That's not the frightening part. The frightening part is the end. The frightening part is where this is heading. The frightening part is, you mean I could lose my relationship with my husband? You mean I could lose Denmark? I could lose Europe? I could lose Earth? <laughs> I, could, I could lose the Milky Way if I keep following this presence. And it's this belief that what was made or invented is more valuable than eternity. That's what we're dealing with here. That's where the fear is being generated for everyone. It's somehow that 
you know, it's like the Star Trek uh, episode. If you ever see, I did a, a beautiful teaching on Star Trek on this movie called The Thaw from, uh, from Star Trek. And basically a Star Trek Voyager and it's called The Thaw. And they go to this planet where because of a planetary disaster, all the inhabitants of the planet have put themselves to sleep and in a computer-generated program under the ground, deep under the ground, to wait out a planetary disaster. So they put themselves to sleep. They have a wake-up mechanism. The planetary disaster finishes and the surface starts to heal and everything, but the people are still sleeping in their computer program because they are not using their wake-up mechanism. So as the episode goes on, they go inside of the computer program only realize that fear has taken hold. These people associate escaping from the generated world, the computer generated world with, with death. Uh, they've associated escape with death and they're too afraid to, to activate the escape hatch and to wake up, to go back because they're associating that with death. And this is what the ego says. You don't want to wake up, the ego says. You'll die. God will strike you dead upon arrival. DOA. You go back to heaven, God will strike you dead for disobeying and, and go, leaving heaven in the first place. And no, the prodigal son story of Jesus is, no, no. God loves you so much, God will, will have a celebration when you wake up. That's what you're in store for. It's the most glorious celebration. The forgotten song, Jesus says, when you will weep, when you remember all those that, that you love, all, all those, really the love and light of heaven, when you remember the truth of who you are, you will weep tears of gratitude. But the ego is not painting that picture. So I'm glad that you you wrote your question because for all of us, that's helping us get clear now that, that the fear of the how is really the fear of the Holy Spirit. And if you're afraid of listening to that presence, then that's going to make the art of listening very difficult. It's going to make it into the, the um, we could call it like the labyrinth of listening <laughs> instead of the art of listening, you know, or more like the dungeon of listening. <laughs> you're down, like in Plato's cave, you're all trapped, locked up, and it's like, oh, I've got an assignment today. Oh, this light wants me to do, oh, I can't believe it. I'd rather stay in my chains, keep it dark, keep the light away, you know. That's, that's why everything can be very dark when you listen to the ego, because it wants you to stay locked up in the dungeon locked in a dark basement forever and never go out into the light of day. And, and that's what it is. It's, you, you're just slowly having to build your trust. Like, okay, this is something that I really want. The light is helping me. The light is guiding me. The light is instructing me. The light is going to use all these symbols that the ego has made, including this body, in the most glorious way to loosen me from my identification with these images in this body. 
So thank you. Thank you for that. That's helping us all get down at what is our motivation underneath? Do I really want it? Do I really want it? Let me see. Anne Caldwell wrote in from uh, the United Kingdom and and to me this is yeah, this is such a beautiful prayer and you know really when when you take the time to write it out and just pour it out um i think what you have written is going to be quite instructive and bless a blessing to all of us because uh, most everybody will be able to relate to what you wrote out because it's very very common and uh when i read through it i i kept hearing the spirit in my mind saying, ah, yes, from fault-finding to true humbleness. You know, when we are in patterns of finding fault with ourselves and being critical and, and being worried that we're going to get it wrong and being perfectionistic and like stagnating and frozen uh, and paralyzed in fear that we'll get it wrong, it's really saying we're, we're really feeling we're not worthy. Somehow, maybe we're not worthy of the light and everything. And then Jesus is saying, oh, my beloved one, you are so precious and so dear, and, and you need to be humble because this idea of trying to always find fault or problems, that's actually the arrogance. That's the ego's arrogance. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? That's, that's the ego's song. You know, it just sings the same song every day. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? And the humbleness is is dropping down deeper below that and saying, oh, I deserve to be happy. I deserve, I'm worthy of the mind training. I'm worthy of every effort that I make every day, every small effort. There's like hundreds of thousands of angels cheering me on standing ovation when I make the sm smallest effort towards this uh, forgiveness. So what Anne wrote was, thank you for the opportunity to ask this question and offer this prayer. Help me to stop making myself wrong when I don't feel at peace. Quote, you must have got the guidance wrong, not listening properly. Otherwise, you would be feeling better than this. Help me to hand over the fear of getting it all wrong to Holy Spirit. Even the pressure of asking the right question is huge. So I don't get it wrong. Waste time. Waste the opportunity. Condense it perfectly into a paragraph. Help me to stop wanting the Holy Spirit and Yeshua to act like a sat-nev through life. Just like this question in prayer. I feel a huge pressure to make the right decisions and choices and not to waste time and energy. And then it's difficult to listen and trust the guidance. When I'm processing uncomfortable stuff, help me to hand it over to Holy Spirit, not to make myself wrong, falling back on ego's favorite delight that I must be getting it wrong, making wrong choices and decisions. Otherwise, I wouldn't be feeling so confused and pressured. 
help me to trust in the guidance I receive, even when I don't see the purpose. Help me make right-minded choices and decisions to recognize and act with discernment. If there is an opportunity to connect with people, an invitation to meet up, does Holy Spirit ever say no? Don't be doing that. You better be resting up, saving your energy. Or does that always come from ego? Do I stay home and try to listen to guidance? I have a fear of using all my energy on unnecessary trivia, but find it difficult to discern what is trivia, ego, people-pleasing, and what is important to the Holy Spirit. I really do need this retreat. So what a beautiful, heartfelt prayer, a prayer of, of calling for discernment, a, a prayer of, that is the core of the art of listening, is, is to tune in to what is, what is wanted for me from the Holy Spirit, what is offered to me, and what is distractions, what is ego tricks, clever, cleverly, ingeniously designed little tricks to take me away from my true purpose. And what I would say is that we're back to that context that that really the decision we're making in any seeming scenario or situation all comes from our the purpose that we have given to it. So Jesus says in A Course in Miracles that this is a way to really help simplify the discernment is in any situation, the one question that you can safely ask is what is it for? That's the one safe question that you can ask yourself in your mind. What is it for? What is the purpose? Even in the, in the workbook, Jesus says, you know, you use a telephone to reach someone who's not in your proximity. He says, but the real question is, what do you want to reach him for? What is the purpose of the call? That's the only thing that's important. It's not really whether I call or not. Like, that's not like a life or death decision, but it's what's the purpose of the call? What do I want to reach him for? Am I offering a blessing? Am I offering encouragement? Am I teaching what I would learn? Am I offering kindness? Or am I offering maybe even listening to someone who needs to speak something and, and needs a, a gentle, kind, non-judgmental listening ear? You know, if that is the purpose for the call, it serves the whole. It serves the awakening. But everything starts with purpose. And that's why the entire Course in Miracles comes down to using something that the ego made, which is choice. There is no choice in heaven. In perfect love and oneness, there is no choice. Using something that the ego made, choice, and applying it to start to realize the simplicity of salvation, that in any moment I have a choice between my right mind, the voice for God, and the wrong mind, the voice of the ego. In every moment I'm only choosing between the Holy Spirit and the ego. 
this world is like a trick, a hall of mirrors with so many seeming choices and decisions that we have to make. Seemingly humans are faced with very many practical decisions every day. But A Course in Miracles is a mind-training device to teach you that in any moment you're only choosing between one of two purposes. So that what is it for question is so helpful. In fact, I've, you know, there's many different books that came through me over the years, but the smallest book that ever came through me is this tiny little pamphlet that's about this big. It's a little black pamphlet, and it's called Purpose is the Only Choice. The smallest little booklet that I ever wrote. All these other big ones, you know, Unwind Your Mind and Awakening Through Court, all these other books, Quantum Forgiveness. And, you know, this is a tiny little, and the whole thing is dismantling the complexities of this world by learning to focus your mind like a laser beam on what is it for. Imagine that with, with a spouse or with a child or, or with a job or with a career or even whether you're deciding whether to go to a, a retreat or a workshop or a seminar or even to read a book. What is it for? The purpose needs to be out front. You have to be clear, very clear of your purpose. And the more clear you become on that purpose, everything starts to become very simple. Then your art of listening goes light years ahead because you really are learning to focus on that one question. What is this for? What is the purpose? You're really focusing on the discernment. Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? You know, that's going to be what is it for? Where would you have me go? That's what is it for? What would you have me say and to whom? That's, that's like saying, I want you to direct me in all things. I want to join mine with your purpose and then let all your guidance come flowing down to me from my connection with you in purpose, from my desire to heal from my prayer to heal and be clear and be happy, all the guidance will come to me. And then the art of listening gets easier and easier as I'm clear on my purpose. And if I'm not clear on my purpose, the art of listening is like a jungle. It's like you are out in a jungle, a thick, very thick jungle, and it seems extremely complex and extremely confusing and difficult because like the Boz Skag song, you can't get what you want till you know what you want. That's another profound idea. You, you can't truly receive what you want until you are clear of what you want. How does Jesus say this in the workbook? He says, I want the peace of God. To say these words is nothing. To mean these words is everything. See, same words. I want the peace of God. To say it is nothing. To mean it 
means that you put peace as the top priority in your mind. You're going to say, regardless of appearances, I want peace of mind. Regardless of the way things seem to turn out in form, and all the judgments, I want the peace of God. If, if you say it and mean it, I want the peace of God, expectations are going to blow off of that tree of ego expectations. The breeze of the Holy Spirit's going to come along and blow all those leaves of expectations off of that tree because you want the peace of God above anything in this world. You're not even going to look for anything or expect anything to be a certain way because the peace of mind is more valuable than anything else. And to me, that is what inner listening is about, is seeing the motivation for it, to seeing it's important to tune in and listen, and to be able to say, I want what the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going to tell me, what they're going to offer me, the instructions they're going to give me. I want that. It's for my good. It's for my joy. It's for my happiness. And then you have to ultimately say, I'm worth that. You know, if, if God created me loving, and I don't know myself as purely loving, then I've been mistaken about who I am. I have an identity confusion. I've been mistaken. And I've been acting, thinking and acting out of this mistake and not allowing God's will for me, which is perfect happiness, to be shown to me. Like God is offering perfect happiness, and when the mind gets all caught up in ego identities, it's saying, no thanks. You know, I, I know, you're talking about eternal life and eternal happiness, but really I, want, I would rather go skiing, I want an ice cream cone, um, I want to take a trip. <laughs> you know, it's like, and Francis was saying the other day on, on Facebook, you know, God isn't sending you on missions. It's really like the Holy Spirit is undoing all earthly missions by giving you moment by moment the way to unwind. And your only mission is to find the happiness within, the love within. You know, that's, if you're going to call it a mission, it's not an external mission. God's, God's Son is not a traveler in outer worlds. We, we are never really sent on external missions by the Holy Spirit. It's just that we come back to the moment. What would you have me do right now? Here I am, Lord, right now. So why would the Holy Spirit give you roles except that you believe in the roles and it's too frightening to be, have all the roles and concepts taken away? Even people like Eckhart Tolle, you know, on the park bench, you know, he had this massive, glorious experience, but then he, he couldn't very function very well in the world after that park bench experience because his mind was so transported beyond time and space that it was hard to reintegrate <laughs> into time and space. And for all of us, we're saying, well, help us, give it to us step by step so that we can reorient the roles, reorient the concepts, reorient the images to alignment 
to be a witness and a reflection of your love, Spirit, and then it will be easy for us to, re to release back into the dance, you know, to release back into the, the unified field, the, the connectedness, the forgiven world, the happy dream. We'll be like, ah, I'm so happy to be a happy dreamer. I'm so happy to be a happy learner. I'm so happy to behold my, the magnificence and see this world completely anew with fresh eyes. You know, that's, that's really what it's about. So thank you. I'm happy that I could get through a few of your questions, and I love it. And I love how you just poured your heart out and said, this is really what's my heavy heart, and, and I want this, my prayer is to be lifted. So thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, that's it. That's my spiel for today. So uh, why don't you put up your electronic hands and... Uh, even though I've only got about nine and a half minutes here, uh, you can put them up and then, um, Jeff, you can just go through. And uh, also, if we have some new ones, people that we've not heard from online, I'd love hearing from people that are showing up on my screen uh, for the first time. That's a, a great delight, too. So, uh, yeah, let's see what we've got. Okay, we have um, Melissa Evans. Go ahead, Melissa. I actually it's Hope who's going to talk. Hope and then Shannon. <laughs> hi, Melissa. Okay. Hi, David. I just wanted to say hi. I love you. <laughs> I flew into your retreat in a blizzard in Kentucky, and that was my first experience with you and Jason. And Lisa Fair was still kind of on the fence and just coming in. And um, I just want you to know that um, I've devoted my whole life to awakening and that I love you and that um, this has been a really beautiful trip and I get up at 3 a.m. every day and I study and pray and meditate until I go to work and I've just been dying to say hi. <laughs> so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank That's you. It. And I'm going to come see you as soon as I can. Okay, very good. Thank you okay. so much. I feel yeah, your thank love. You. Thank and you. Thank you. Somebody else wants to speak there. Yes, in the same room. Hi, David. Hi there. So, um, first of all, I was just want to express my gratitude for what you guys do. Um, and actually to my mighty companions here who introduced me to you. I'm a newbie. I've only been really participating for the past year and I've really been enjoying everything so much. So thank you. And I, oh, and then we have Tally here who wants to say <laughs> hi. Hi, Tally. <laughs> um, so I was sitting in gratitude this morning, just amazed at last night and how wonderful it was. And um, I was guided to share something that is really on topic for this retreat. Um, you know, I, when I first started studying the course 10 years ago, about six months in, I was having a really rough time all of a sudden with the body. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so I was sitting there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he really wants to 
be a part of this. Um, I'm not for you. Okay. So anyway, I was really having a, a difficult time with the body, and um, I really wanted to know. I mean, I had already developed a, a relationship with Jesus right away, and asking Him everything, and um, it just seemed insurmountable what was happening to the body. I mean, I just didn't even know how to overcome it. And so I just turned to the course right away and I read the manual for teachers and I kept saying, there's nothing for me to gain in this, you know, and all of these things, which really I come to know is a little, you know, it's more than just the body. But, um, anyway, I was sitting with him as much as possible and he took me through this process. Um, I was sitting there very quietly just asking and all of a sudden in my mind my my arm raised and then his arm came down and kind of you know pulled me up into this um, it was actually an attic <laughs> a dark attic um, but we talked over an oil lamp and um, you know it's I love what you said this morning because every time I go and I talk to him he it's, it's completely dismissed with humor every single time. And even with something so insurmountable with the body, I was able to laugh. I saw that this idea of Shannon, like I was back here and I was looking at her, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, like just struggling and like, oh, this is so hard. Like you're saying, like, I, you know, the chains were on and, um, you know, and he showed me that. And when you see it, when you just step back that little bit and you see that, <laughs> all you can do is laugh. And um, so I told, told this process, you know, in the space that Jesus created for me to a friend of mine. And she actually, I shared it in a course group that I attend. And um, she also, he's created a space for her. And she sits on the porch of the shack, you know, with the two rocking chairs and, and rocks back and forth and talks to him. And so I just wanted to share that because um, in the course, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me, especially at that time, was if you want to be like me, <laughs> I will help you, knowing we are alike. If you want to be different, <laughs> I'll wait. And, you know, I was like, I really embraced that. And I just told him every day, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. You know, I want to be like you. Um, kind of like the cowardly line. <laughs> but um, anyway, and, you know, over time, you know, he, he really does. He brings that to us, like in whatever way works on our path. And it's wonderful. So anyway, I was guided to share that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Simon. <laughs> Thank you. That's that summarizes everything we talked about today. Just yeah. your willingness. Yes. Yes, exactly. So thank you. Thank you. I will see you at the retreat on August 2nd through 6th. I'll be there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Very good. We look forward to welcoming you and giving you a big hug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Okay, lots of hands up. Um, next one is John Killerin. Go ahead, John. I can't hear you. I can see you. How's that? 
Very good. Okay, great. I just want to introduce myself. I'm, I, I'm I just discovered this community a few months ago. And to this point, the only person in the whole community that I've talked to is Jeff. I had a conversation with Jeff on the phone a few days ago, and it was very helpful. But I can sit off in the periphery. I can sit off in the periphery forever. So I wanted to step forward I, and, and just say hello. And, um, and, and I'd let you guys know that I totally want to get involved. Like I, I can see this is, a, this is just um, the missing piece. It, this offers the missing pieces that I've been um, without till, till now. Mm -hmm. And I can see community is a big part of it, joining with others. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. really happy to be here. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. And we love it. That's so great that you come on camera like this because that, that feels like that's, the, that's a big step too of just we're all seeing you and hearing you and, and aware of you now, you know, in a very direct way. And so I'm so glad you got to talk to Jeff and hopefully we'll have many more encounters coming up. Thank you. Okay, next up is Mandira. Go ahead, Mandira. Hi, David, and hi, everybody else. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, well, it's the first time. I also wanted to introduce myself, and I've written to you with two questions. And one of the questions was, I heard this voice say that I had to connect with Maria Magdalena. And after sending the question to you, something happened to me because I was doing a prayer every day to connect with her. And suddenly I get this warm feeling inside. And this morning there was so much light when I was connecting to her. So it, it, something changed there. So I'm really happy about this. Um, but I don't know whether it's her. I, I, there's something in my mind that always sort of keeps nagging, but maybe it's not her. Maybe you're just imagining this. And uh, I thought, why can people be so sure it's Jesus? Why can they be so sure it's, you know, anybody? So that, that really is my question. And thank yeah. you for bringing me back to the course because you've been such an in, in inspiration it's been very beautiful and all the people around you i'm very impressed that you give podium to all of them and see how beautiful everyone is beautiful thank you mandira yeah i think um when i was reading through your question too i, I feel like that you are getting very strongly guided to be uh connected and led by Mary Magdala. And, and um, I had come through many different uh, encounters with people around the same thing over many years. In fact, um, when I was over in France, um, uh, my friend Fabian and, um, and different ones th there said, well, would you come up to the cave of Mary Magdala? That's um, a little bit to the north uh, of Mar Marseille. France and um, they said yeah she had taught in Marseille and in a Greek temple for for many years and and it, toward the end of her life uh, she had gone up to this grotto this cave uh, where she had, would go and walk uh, to the top of the cliffs and pray and just 
spent her days communing with Christ as she had done um, when she was in Galilee. And, um, and then she would go down and stay in the, in the grotto. And there was actually a friar who uh, came and brought her food. Uh, and, and she lived a very, very, the last uh, third of her life, a very mystical life of uh, kind of a little more like Ramana Maharshi in terms of this world, very much in silence and communion. But I would recommend uh, if, you, if you want to go over to visit that cave, that grotto, it was a very deep, profound experience. And as far as tuning into her frequencies and, and really getting clear of, of her and, and more connected with her, I think that would be almost like a pilgrimage you could make to this uh, grotto. Uh, you have to hike. We all had a little French picnic at the bottom uh, of the mountain, and we, uh, we hiked uh, all the way up and met people along the trail and then descended into this cave, and it was a very profound uh, mystical experience for me, uh, and I could feel the depth and the, the vibrations of all of her prayers and her, of her living in there in this grotto for, for years. So that's the, when I read your questions, I, that's precisely what I felt I wanted to tell you is uh, it would be worth it to go on this uh, pilgrimage for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think we have come to the conclusion of this, and um, I think um, uh, I look forward to, if, if any of you are coming to our Awakening to Love uh, retreat, that's coming up here August 2nd to the 6th here in uh, Utah, uh, between Fruitland and Duchesne in the canyon, the Strawberry River Canyon. Uh, Jason will be coming up next with a movie. And I really think you're going to enjoy this movie. It's, it's going to be, you're going to go on an adventure with Jason where you will see, this is a movie that's based on events that occurred uh, some time ago when, uh, when Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. So it goes back a ways, uh, back when I was uh, just coming out of, of uh, high school. Uh, and basically, you're going to see a series of events that unfolded based on actual events, but you're going to see a group of people that find themselves uh, in, and trapped. They find themselves uh, kind of, uh, you might say, held hostage. And I would say everyone in time and space has felt at some time a hostage to time. And so you'll be able to relate to these characters because they're going to be in what seems to be a very trapped and stressful situation. And then there's going to be a helper that's sent in who has to tune in intuitively to the spirit. And, and it's just coming from love, just coming from love and from a desire for uh, freedom and release. Uh, he will work with these group of people to take on a new set of identity. Isn't that like all of us? We, we come to this world and we seem to have an I have invented the world I see. Uh, we take on these human identities and families and cultures and time periods and everything. And then we're asked to turn it over to spirit, to Jesus and Holy Spirit, and then 
what will seem to come next will still be a time-space uh, experience, but it will be of a given identity. And so in this movie, you're going to watch these hostages, you might say, these trapped people will be given new identities, and they will have to learn to, to take them on. They will have to learn to take on fake identities, just like the first identities are fake, the second identities are fake too. But the Holy Spirit is guiding the second fake identity. So it's still not really who you are as the Christ, but it's you saying yes to accept what's given you. Maybe you call it a miracle worker. That's still a fake identity. There's no miracle workers in heaven, but you have to take that on. Maybe it's the teacher of God. In this movie, they will have to... Uh, join and con con connect and collaborate and really trust that these new fake identities are going to serve the purpose of their freedom. And, and this is where the humbleness comes in of moving to the, from the driver's seat to the passenger seat. You're going to watch a very beautiful movie of those that feel very trapped having to trust trust beyond anything they've ever done to t assume fake identities that will help them escape from, from their imprisonment. And this is what I've been sharing with you all day. This is what the art of listening is about. You're, you know, if you have skills and abilities that the ego made, the Holy Spirit and Jesus can use those same skills and abilities, whether they're computer skills, singing skills, design skills, uh, skills in management or in parenting, whether you have skills in building, whatever, anything, any skills that have been developed in the ego framework can be given over to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It will still give you a fake identity, but it will be a higher, you might say, a rising up in consciousness fake identity until you get to the tippy top of consciousness, which is forgiveness, that's still a fake identity, too. In heaven, there's no forgiveness needed. But that's going to be the, the, the one identity, forgive us, forgiveness, the forgiven world, that's going to get you out of the world. It's going to get you back to heaven. So I, I hope you enjoy this movie as much as I did. I, I found this movie hugely activating and hugely practical as a teaching device and I think uh, you're going to enjoy it. So if you stop to take a meal or a rest or snack, don't miss Jason in this movie, because this is going to give you a practical demonstration of, of what it takes to trust, uh, to escape what seems to be a very impossible situation, a, a very uh, imprisoning situation. So thank you all. It's been a delight being with you. And I love you all, and I always look forward to these great sharings. And we are walking hand in hand, side by side in this awakening. We are equals. We have a great guide in the Holy Spirit and Jesus taking us higher and higher. And we cannot fail. We, we cannot fail in our, our task. So God bless you all and love you and enjoy the movie. <laughs> Thank you.